Praise Jesus. God is good. He's worthy to be praised. He's matchless. He's high and exalted above every name. He's worthy of praise. Oh, he's undefeated. He's better than my life. Oh, he just, the way that God loves me from the second I wake up till I close my eyes, the affirmations that he gives me in my soul, he's just so good. He's faithful to heal. He's faithful to deliver. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in darkness. Oh, he's just so good. He's better than I thought he was. He's better than I thought he was a couple years ago. He, he's, he's more all, he's all knowing. He, he, he's, he's got all wisdom. He's got all power. He, he has all might. He, he's better than any doctor. He, he's the greatest teacher that there ever was. He, he's, come on, I don't know. Do you, I'm trying to stir you up. Do you feel this? Come on, how big is God in your mind? Oh, come on. Come on, church. Stir it up in your midst. Oh, come on. Listen, he's, he's, he's the cure. He's the antidote. He's the solution. He is the strategy. He's the destination and the journey. Oh, he's everything. Oh, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. Come on, somebody. He's the first and the last. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Am I provoking anybody yet? Come on. Some of you need the lyrics to come up on the wall to worship him. I'm trying to teach you how to worship in spirit and in truth. He's my best friend. He talks to me and it's not my voice. The world will think you're crazy for talking like that. Come on, praise him, baby. Little baby in the, just said, Jesus. God is so good. His ways are perfect. He never makes a mistake. He never allows anything to happen in his children's life that he hasn't already provisioned with a plan to work it in their favor. He's just so good. Come on, let's take a few seconds before I jump into the word and, and let's just meditate on him. I'm teaching you right now. This has been an interactive sermon. Some of you are so freaked out. You've never been to a church like this. Well, neither have I. Because in most churches, we want you to sit down and listen and we talk. But that's, that's not discipleship. Discipleship is not just listen, it's do as I do. So when Jesus was discipling the disciples, they asked him, teach us how to pray. And he said, okay, let me teach you, do as I do. So right now, we're gonna do another form of prayer. It's called meditation. Now, the new age tried to steal this from us. Pastor Mike, what's so demonic about meditation? Well, it's the source of your thoughts. If the peace that you find in meditation comes from within and, and you're not referring to the Holy Spirit, then you have put your trust in a very limited supply. Let me just tell you, Gen, Gen Zers, right now you feel like you have untapped potential and maybe if you just go a little bit deeper and you push a little bit harder, you can be successful. But some of the boomers will tell you there's a limit to your strength. So the reason why meditation is, is on the in, in, incline right now is because it feeds our understanding and our belief that there's a little bit more inside of us we haven't tapped yet. Can I tell you the secret? You're not enough. And you never will be. Come on. I know Brene Brown told you you're enough and you started crying during her TED Talk. But that's not biblical. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. You're not enough. And all the pain that you feel in this life trying to be more is the wrong way to do life. Life is not about doing more and being more. It's about connecting and surrendering into the infinite Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord over my victory. Oh, come on, Jehovah Rapha, my healer. We're obsessed with, uh, you know, this right now, I'm, I'm looking at the millennials, cold water plunges, saunas, infrared, intermittent fasting, Come on, millennials. What else do you got in your repertoire? You know, keto. Right? How many nootropics and stacking all of my supplements? Guess what? 
It's all foolishness before God because he knows the number of your days and they're not infinite. So guess what happens when you get all your diet perfect and you still get cancer? What happens? Okay, time management fanatics. Come on, I know you bought two planners this year. The big one and the little one. The big one for your wall, the little one for your pocket, and the digital one on your phone. Come on, somebody on the front row is getting delivered from a, from a demon. No! But why do I say that? Because the Bible says, teach me to number my days that my heart might be full of wisdom. I'm going to acknowledge the sovereignty of God. I'm going to acknowledge, God, I make my plans, but you laugh at them. <laughs> what do you want me to do, Lord? I've consulted everyone but you about what I should do. So meditation is not when you quiet yourself to listen to yourself. <sighs> meditation is not when you quiet yourself to listen to yourself. You're the reason why you don't like your life right now. Meditation is when you quiet yourself to remind yourself of the word of God. It's when you quiet yourself to listen to that still small voice that's not in the thunder, not in the fire, not in the earthquake, but it's in the stillness that you say, God, as I silence myself, let you be louder even if it's a whisper. So let's do this across every campus. Indiana, Long Island, New York City, Miami, Canada, what, how many more mo we got? Did I say Miami? <laughs> California. We're going to take 30 seconds in a church service because I'm teaching you how to pray and we're going to do meditation, but we're going to do it not with us being the focus, but with us focusing on the word of God, the logos and the rhema, which means Holy Spirit speak in this moment or Holy Spirit remind me what you already said both in your scriptures and in former prophecy. We're going to take 30 seconds, dead air time, with thousands of people watching. I'm a bold preacher. A lot of preachers trying to get the room loud. Sometimes you got to have the wisdom to make it quiet. Can we all just listen to the Lord? Okay, go ahead. Be still and know that I am God. Come on, that's it. That's enough for now. Some of you wanted to keep going, but just wave at me if you felt peace in that time. Come on. I just, I'm just trying to take you somewhere. This series, I would love for you to come back every week and get this entire series in you because I love you so much that I want you to understand that you don't have to be an American. You can be a citizen of the kingdom because Americans, we're not, we are a failed society right now. And we're trying to figure it out. But when God was at the epicenter of this nation, things were a little different. <laughs> but we've now moved past that. And so I just wanna help encourage you, when you put God at the center, you will find peace that surpasses all understanding and you will begin to move into realms of confidence and trust that you've never known. And it's problematic because we come from families that taught us how to worry. Some of you learn how to worry from your mom and she even calls you every day to remind you how to worry. She's the worst discipler you've ever had. She calls you every day. Aren't you worried about the weather, the gas, the government, your relationships, your body, you know? Because I'm worried about all that mo. We've been conditioned into this. And, and I only got you for like two hours. Some of you are like, why are church services so long at V1? Because I'm fighting against the 14 hours that you spent on your phone on Saturday. So just stay a little bit longer. I got bagels at every campus, cookies. 
What else do I have to do? <laughs> but I want to start with a story, and we're just going to get in because I just have three things to share, and I'm almost done. You know, have you ever felt the urge? Well, before I do this, I got to make some announcements because uh, a lot of you guys are missing things. Okay, real quick announcements. Miami is doing their second interest service January 19th. So I just got back from Miami in December and that group is growing. They've outgrown the home and really outgrowing a small venue now. And next month we're gonna do Vision Sunday where there's gonna be a call out, a tangible call out for all of you across all of our campuses who feel called to actually move to Miami to help birth V1 Miami. I've already received dozens of messages via email and different methods of message. I was gonna say DMs, but I hate DMs. I can't even keep up with them. But people saying, I'm moving to Miami. These are people who live all over the world. And they're like, we saw that you're gonna start V1 Miami and we wanna be a part of it. And so it's just surging. Something's happening in Miami. Thank God for, for V1 Miami. That's, it's, it's in the birthing canal right now. And isn't that amazing? So January 19th, if you wanna go to see what it's about and go with me, if you wanna meet the team, this goes to anyone from the campuses, you still have time to get there January 19th. If you know anybody living in and around Miami, please invite them to be a part. All right, uh, number two announcement is the Marriage Conference, February 17th. Woo woo! V1 Marriage Conference is February 17th. Now, it's a Friday night. It's going to be in two venues, V1 Indiana and V1, well, we're gonna do two campuses combined. So New York City and Long Island are gonna combine at the space at Westbury. I have my good friends, uh, Vlad and Lana Softchuk, who are coming out to be a part from Hungry Gen in Washington, if you know Lad and, and Vlad, Vlad and Lana. I can preach but not do announcements. The grace is for the preaching. Um, and so anyways, they're going to be here. Now, one of the reasons why I'm taking time to do announcements before we jump into the scriptures is because as uh, God increases my influence, there's this phenomenon of where like a prophet in his hometown is without honor. And like things are attended more by people who watch me teach online than people who attend our church. Because a lot of times, the closer you are, the more familiar you become. And you're like, oh, whatever. How's V1 Conference going to be different than just a regular Sunday service? And over and over and over, I have to do stuff to like prove to my own people why God told us to do it. So I want, I'm doing the announcements now because you do actually attend a church with a premier marriage ministry. And you might not even know it. So a couple of things. Number one, our most searched videos are all about marriage. That's our number one ranking search videos. I have viral reading plans on the Bible app, uh, version, the real Bible app, uh, about relationships. And so, and then the marriage conference is gonna be free, but both in Indiana and um, on Long Island at the Space of Westbury, it will fill up. Like when I was on the Global Revival Tour, everywhere I went was 700 to 1,000 people and that was just me by myself. And so you add Vlad and I together and like it's gonna be crazy. So I'm telling you guys now, uh, Friday, February 17th, make sure that you're there. Also, can you imagine being allowed to do surgeries and then getting trained to do surgeries after you've already been doing them? Can you imagine just slicing and dicing people and sticking your hand in there like, ooh, it's gooey. And then after you botch a whole bunch of surgeries, now they train you for surgery. That's what it's like learning about marriage after you're married. <laughs> and for those of you who are married, you're like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's too late. It's not too late. You don't have to botch any more surgeries. So I would say two things. One, if you're married, please cancel work. If you work three to 11s, literally call off for this. Your marriage is more important than your money. I'm telling you straight up, it's an investment. You haven't even taken your wife out on any dates, so you can, you can call off of work. You know what I mean? So it's, it's uh, Friday, where, where is it? Friday, February 17th. Uh, threaten divorce if they don't go. Whatever you gotta do. I'm telling you right now, somebody just got inspired. Um, if you're single though, I wanna point to my man, Evan. I told Evan, I said, Evan, if you go to the marriage conference and you serve and you attend and you learn about marriage before marriage, God will give you a wife. And it happened. Praise God. He knocked her up after they got married. Praise God. 
proud of you, son. You did it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> He's just yelling from the back. Amen. <laughs> um, but, but I do think that if you're single, it's appropriate to go to the marriage conference because I would love for you to learn about marriage, then get married. So come, but it's going to fill up. Last announcement I want to make. Uh, so it is, it is for single people. How cool would it be if you're single and you meet someone at the marriage conference and that, you know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, that's a good filter to know who's really about it. You, am I right? Come on now, somebody. Last announcement that I've already taken too much time, but it's so important is uh, we are going to Israel October 11th through the 20th. There's limited availability for this trip. I'm sure we'll take subsequent trips, um, but it is going to be October 11th through the 20th. And it's already halfway filled, even though I have not formally released the registration till right now. We can maybe make a little bit more capacity depending on demand. But I want to say before I give you the website URL, because I'm going to say it, it, even this URL is not publicly posted. And so the thing you need to know is I, in wisdom, because there's a lot of people that attend all of our campuses and watch online, I have a like official Israeli government approved tour company doing all of this and they're managing the customer support. So do not get mad at me or V1 Church about any of your experiences interacting with customer service because I didn't want nothing to do with it. So it's all them. So if you want to be mad, you be mad at them, okay? Are we all good? Because I didn't, I didn't want Heather picking up the phone like, you know, V1, welcome to the Israeli tours. V1 Israeli tours, you know, like I can't stand her. She didn't give me a free trip, you know? So when you go to register, all of your interactions are happening with a third-party company that you can cuss them out, all right? <laughs> Some of you are like, that Christians don't do that. <laughs> so here's the URL if you want to go to Israel. You, got, you have to go to mikesignorelli.com backslash Israel. So it's mikesignorelli.com backslash Israel. And you can join that trip. It's going to be a trip of a lifetime. And we're going to have two historians that uh, live in Israel follow us on the tour. I'm going to be speaking. I, I may try to make it a small enough number of people that we could intimately hang out at dinners and, you know, get to know each other, pray together. I have some leaders coming to speak at different locations. We're going to reenact parts of the Bible prophetically. So like, for example, we're going to redo Acts chapter two outside of the temple mount and uh, where the, all the mikvahs are, where they, where they would have probably baptized everyone. We're going to do a huge church service at uh, the tomb of Jesus. Uh, which makes me want to cry my eyes out every time I think about it. It'll be, I've taken some trips there and I just can't wait to get back. And I, I want to be with you guys. Uh, so it's mikesignorelli.com backslash Israel. And if you don't get on this trip, you'll get on subsequent trips. All right, I never have done announcements before my sermon. Sorry, I just had to, we, we wanted to start the year off right, amen? All right, question. Have you ever felt the urge to pray for someone and, and, and it felt immediate? Like I have to pray for them now. I have to, anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so this, this story is so touching. It's a missionary told this story in Michigan when they were on furlough. And I wanna just share this story to, to start. Um, basically, they, they were on furlough and they told this story uh, in a church in Michigan. And so uh, what this missionary said is upon arrival to their city where they were serving as a missionary, he said, I observed two men fighting, one, one who had been seriously injured. I treated him for his injuries, and at the same time, I talked to him about Jesus Christ. I then traveled two days camping overnight, and I arrived home without any incident. Two weeks later, I repeated my journey, and then upon arriving in the city, I was approached by the young man who I had treated who was seriously injured. He told me that he had known that I carried money and carried medicines. And he said, some friends and I followed you into the jungle, knowing that you would camp there overnight. And we actually planned to kill you and take your money and your medicines. But just as we were about to move into your camp, we saw that you were surrounded by 26 armed guards. 
at this, I laughed and I said that, you know, I, I was certainly all alone out there in the jungle campsite and the young man pressed the point and he said, no, sir, you don't understand. Not only me, but my friends, we all counted. So I had five friends and we all counted to see if there was a way to get to you. And we all counted 26 armed guards and we decided to, we were afraid and we just left you alone. At this point in the sermon, one of the men in the congregation in the Michigan church jumped to his feet and he just interrupts the missionary and he asked, he said, can you tell me the exact day that this happened? And the missionary told the congregation the date and then the man interrupted, he was super excited. And he said, on that night, of your incident in Africa, it was the morning here in Michigan, and I, I was preparing to play golf. I was about to putt when I felt the urge to pray for you. In fact, the urge was so strong that I called men of this church to all drop everything and meet me at the church in the sanctuary to pray. And he just said, would all those men who were asked to pray stand up now? The men who had met together to pray, they all stood up. And the missionary wasn't concerned with who they were. He was too busy counting them. He counted 26 men. Prayer is real. Prayer works. Come on. One man felt the urge to pray for this missionary, obeyed. He got the other men to pray with him and all together, 26 men. And then in Africa, this guy's going to kill the other guy and him and his friends and sees 26 guards who were supernaturally represented around that man. How many of you believe that we are going to rise up as a house of prayer this year? How many of you believe that we got a house across every campus and global online full of some guards who are going to say, not on my watch. Hallelujah. Come on. You know, as we continue on, I have a very skeptical mind and I am very um, scientifically oriented. That's just me. And before we jump into these scriptures, I was looking at two studies now. So we have that story of the supernatural, but I believe that the scientific will always corroborate the supernatural because God put the laws of science in motion. He is the designer and creator of everything we've encountered. So how many of you believe that science can actually confirm what we've experienced in the supernatural? I also, because of my own personal skepticism, have a very high standard for, um, for the you know, peer-reviewed articles and studies because there's a lot of things that preach good but do not necessarily hold any weight uh, in the secular world. Can I get an amen? And I think all of my experience on YouTube and online and has helped me understand that if you're going to bring something, you better bring it correct. So as I was studying for this series, I was saying, God, forget about this, the, the statistics I could rattle off to impress people. I want to look at some, some things that carry some weight. And so there was a scientist uh, studied 219 consecutive infertile women. They were aged 26 to 46 years who were treated with in vitro fertilization embryo transfer in South Korea. These women were randomized into distant prayer and control groups, meaning they actually had people from other countries pray for these women who were in South Korea. And they, these, the countries praying, the people were represented from the USA, Canada, and Australia. The patients and their providers were not informed about the intervention. So in other words, the women in South Korea who were being prayed for did not know they were being prayed for. Are you following me? Okay, the investigators and even the statisticians did not know the group allocations until all the data had been collected. Thus, the study was randomized, triple blind, controlled and prospective in design. That meets the highest standard for a study. Y'all with me still? Here's the results. Scientists found that the women who had been prayed for had nearly twice as high a pregnancy rate as those who had not been prayed for. Furthermore, the women who had been prayed for showed a higher rate of implantation than those who had not been prayed for. Finally, the benefits of prayer were independent of clinical or laboratory providers and clinical variables. Thus, this study showed that distant prayer facilitates both implantation and pregnancy at more than double the rate of non-prayer. Can somebody shout amen? That should blow your mind. 
As a matter of fact, we are a global church. We've got a global intercessory prayer team. And what I love about this, uh, this scientific study is that they were from USA, Canada, and Australia praying for women that didn't know they were being prayed for in South Korea. And actually there was a double rate of implantation and pregnancy among them. In other words, come on, I'm talking to somebody right now. It doesn't even matter if they want your prayers. Keep on praying. It doesn't even matter if they know know you're praying. Keep on praying. Some of you right now are living in the prayers of somebody who's praying for you and don't even know it right now. Prayer works. I'm telling you, science will always catch up to the wisdom of the ancients. Prayer was good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for me. The disciples said, teach me how to pray because they knew that Jesus' power was flowing from a place of prayer. Can someone say amen if you believe that? Okay, I want to give you one more quick study. Another one was this intercessory prayer on wound healing in non-human primate species. So this sample comprised 22 bush babies. Do you know what a bush baby is? A bush baby is a, um, it's basically like a small primate that's native to Africa and they're super cute. A bush baby. I'm going to call Everly my little bush baby. Now, the thing is, they had wounds resulting from chronic self-injurious behavior. These animals were randomized into prayer and control groups that were similar at baseline. Prayer was conducted for four weeks. Researchers found that the prayer group animals had a great reduction in wound size and a greater improvement in hematological parameters than the control animals. But this study is very important because it was conducted in non-human species, therefore eliminating placebo effect completely. So a lot of times skeptics will say, well, prayer works because of the power of your thoughts. Prayer works because of placebo, but I've given you two studies that you can clap back to your skeptic friends to say, then what do you say about all the women in South Korea who didn't even know they were being prayed for that experienced twice the rate of pregnancy and implantation? Okay, you don't believe that. What do you think about the Bush babies who didn't even know the English language and they were non-human primates? Come on, somebody. And they received a greater reduction in wounds and healing in their bodies. Prayer works. Come on. This should encourage you greatly that you're not here off of the power of positive thinking. You're not here off of a placebo. You're not here trying to brainwash yourself. You don't belong to a cult that's trying to brainwash you into believing in Jesus. He is God Almighty. Whether you believe or not, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that the one answering those prayers is the one who lives forever. Evermore, he died and was resurrected. I'm telling you, Jesus is alive. And he's the source of the healing. Prayer works. Your grandma didn't know the science, but she knew how to get the results. Prayer works. Somebody just yell back at me, prayer works. Okay, let's go through the scriptures now. This is going to be an intense five minutes. Number one, relationship. To pray powerful prayers, you must understand relationship. But I want to preach this in a way that you don't see it coming. Because I know there's a lot of biblically educated folk. And you're like, I get it. I need a personal relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I get it. Let's move on. Point two. Back up. Back up, Pharisee. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Now in your Bible, underline the word Lord. Not everyone who says to me, now say this phrase, not everyone. Okay. Who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only say, but only, okay. Only he who does the will of my father. Now underline father. There is a distinction being made by Jesus in this text between Lord and Father. Okay, follow me. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. There are a lot of people performing miracles. There are a lot of people casting out demons. There are a lot of people praying for the sick and seeing them recover. 
But you need to understand that you can do that from a place of Lord, but not Father. Oh, come on. I'm talking to my social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, whores. The ones who do it for the affirmation and the approval of people, the ones who do supernatural ministry for profit claiming to be a prophet, I'm talking to you. The person who wants to see a certain amount of likes, shares, somebody who wants to see the comments, tell them how great they are because they don't know how to deflect the greatness of God. I'm, I'm talking to you who, who don't understand relationship. And the thing that scares me is we have a large and growing church right now and it says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. In other words, it's possible that there are people who go to V1 Church who serve on our deliverance team and demons listen to them, but they listen to them because they're responding to the authority of Jesus, not the relationship of that person to Jesus. Ugh. Here's the question. If you go on Long Island and you walk these streets and ask somebody, are you a Christian? Six or seven out of 10 will say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm Catholic. Yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm Presbyterian. Yeah, I'm Christian, I'm Methodist. Yeah, I'm Christian, I'm Pentecostal. See, they think they're a Christian because they know about Christ. But, but Matthew chapter seven, verse 21 asked the question, but does God know you? And see, the thing that I, I think we need to deal with right now is does God know you? Because it says, now watch this, verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. See how they're saying Lord again? They're not saying Father, they're saying Lord. Because they're hirelings. They did ministry for money. They did ministry for prestige. They, did, they, they tried to politic in the local church to get position to make themselves feel better. See, these kinds of people, they, they, it says that they prophesied in your name. They, in your name, they drove out demons. In your name, they performed miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everybody say that phrase across all campuses, lawlessness. Okay. I need to explain. So they think that they're working miracles. They think that they're working deliverance. They think that they're working prophecy. But Jesus says, depart from me. You're actually workers of lawlessness. Can I explain what lawlessness is so that none of us end up like this? Can I go a little bit deeper? Do I, do I have you guys for five more minutes? Okay. Lawlessness is power out of position. Edwin Perez is NYPD. He has power and position. He has been given a badge and he has been given authority to exercise the right to have a gun and to use it as a police officer. But power out of position is lawlessness. So if I try to exercise the same extent of power that Edwin Perez has and I go to New York City with a gun, What's going to happen to Papa Six? I'm going to be writing letters from prison. Because it's, now I can do it, can't I? I can go buy a gun and drive it across lines. I can, I can use it. I can shoot it. So I have power, but I don't have the authority and the jurisdiction to operate in that power. And so I might get away with it for a period of time. But if I keep doing it, come on, somebody, there's going to come a time where there's a consequence that's enacted for being lawless. Okay, I got to go deeper. Lawlessness is power without a pastor. Lawlessness is power without a pastor. Yes, you Facebook prophet power without a pastor. You're accurate because the Lord loves the people you're ministering to, but he might not even know you. Power without proper relationship. Lawlessness is making a house church because you were hurt by a church in a building. Lawlessness is making a parachurch ministry because you weren't promoted fast enough in a local church ministry. Come on, y'all. Do you still love me? I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you this. Don't be a worker of lawlessness who prophesies, cast out demons, and perform miracles. Become one who does the will of the Father. Jesus had disciples that became apostles that led churches led by elders. 
Okay, I gotta say this. Jesus submitted himself to the cross, was humble. Every single time people tried to worship Jesus, he said, no, 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 don't worship me. I'm doing the will of my father, worship him. Because he was modeling for us how we should operate. Then after the humility, then he's raised up and they watch him ascend to heaven. Are you all with me? So Jesus bodily with a resurrected, perfected body, bodily ascended to heaven. What a crazy sight. And who was watching him? The ones who submitted to him, the disciples. So there's a place that Jesus held that was vacated. So they get promoted from disciples to what? Apostles. So now there's another vacated spot below them. So who filled that? Cornelius, all the first century believers. You see what I'm saying? Then they get elevated up to leadership. So what happens is there is a structure from the very beginning that Jesus set in motion. So when Jesus says, I, upon this rock, I built my church and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. it that when he says the church, he means the infrastructure of leaders, leading leaders, leading leaders, disciples, making disciples, making disciples from the headship of Jesus all the way down the line. So what, so here's where it gets scary. Where's that roaming camera? Get ready. Are you with me? I got to make sure I have your attention for this. Because we're just having a family talk. We're having a family talk. Are you with me? Because God has entrusted our church with a lot of power. And it's increasing. And that puts the fear of God in me. To a degree you can't even imagine. And so I want to explain this to you. God will actually answer your prayers on behalf of other people because of his great mercy and love for them. But a miracle is not a validation of your relationship with him. Let me say it again. A miracle through your hands is not a validation of your relationship with God. It only validates how much God loves the person you're praying with. There are pastors full of lust and perversion, addicted to pornography, cheating on their wife, who preach the gospel and thousands get saved. Not, and that, when those people rush the altar and they accept Christ, that is not a validation on that man. That's a validation on God's love for those people. So the scariest thing that could happen is you come to a service like this and behind me in big red letters is powerful prayers. But if I teach you how to access the power and you become a worker of lawlessness, then you are a warlock, not a warrior. I know I'm going deep. Y'all still love Papa Six today. But the reason why I gotta say this is because if you can get both... <laughs> If you can go before the Lord in 2023 and say, God, I want you to know me now. Know me, the addicted, perverted, desperate part of me. I've been hiding it from you, God, no more. Know me, God. See, when it says, depart from me, I never knew you. What if he was saying, I never knew the ugly parts of you because you were too afraid to give them to me? Can we go a little bit further? Are you with me, roaming guy? What if I told you that when God says, depart from me, for I never knew you, he wants to know the parts of you that if anyone else knew, they would abandon you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but you don't believe him because you won't give him the most disgusting parts. <laughs> but they would cancel me off of the worship team, but they would never ask me to pray. What if I told you the fastest way to promotion is by taking the most disgusting parts of you directly to the Father. Oh, I feel holiness in the room right now. Because, now let me go a little bit deeper. I'm gonna read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. I'm just gonna stop there. If you attend, if you attend a, a, a fake ministry that somebody made up in a house, 
and you're priding yourself on not having a leader, how do you fulfill Hebrews chapter 13? It's a command. So if you, if you, I'm just saying, now we honor house church, but you see there's a leadership structure because there's accountability. But I want to go even deeper because now, now what's our part as leaders? Because we're raising up a lot of leaders. It says this, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let me just tell you my future. I'm going to prophesy my future. And you're, if I'm ahead of you in, in the great judgment and we're all standing in line and you say, that was my pastor up there. I came and listened to him preach every week. I went to his church. Man, it makes me want to cry. I served on, on the kids ministry under Pastor Mike. There he is in line. When I come before God, this is what Hebrews says is going to happen. You're going to see me. I hope I have a full head of hair. <laughs> Luscious brown locks. Praise God. No glasses. And I'm going to stand before God. And you're going to say, that's the guy. I saw him preach in stadiums. I saw him, we traveled together and we went to Israel together. That's him. And you're going to see me stand before God. And God's going to say, now give account for every single life that sat under you. And I, what I just told you makes me want to throw up. The fear of God is inside of me on a level I can't explain to you. If you think that the United States government has a standard, then the kingdom of heaven standard is way crazier. And there's people who get away with it according to this law, but will never get away from. Now, listen, that's not an expectation that I'm going to be a perfect pastor, but you can have a perfect heart. David was not perfect, but it said that he had a heart after God. I've made mistakes on you, but those are unintentional mistakes. Why am I trying to say this to you? Because through your hands, you're going to cast out demons. Through your hands, you're going to begin to work miracles. Through your mouth, you're going to prophesy. But if you don't have the fear of the Lord in your life, you might don't want, listen, I want to say, let's reverse the roles. If you're in line ahead of me, you know what kind of torment, when I write sermons, you know how I write them? From judgment day in reverse. If I looked up ahead of line and the Lord looks at you and says, depart from me for I never knew, you know what kind of anguish I'd say? Did I not preach it? Did I just tell him Jeremiah 29, 11 one more time to make him happy? Or did I give him the full word of God? Did I tell him the heart of God for them? Was I an American preacher or was I preaching the kingdom of heaven here down to earth? Was I tickling their ears and telling them something to make them come? Or was I giving them the meat of the word? And so, yeah, I spent a lot of time on this scripture, but it's not the revelation of this scripture. It's the impartation of this scripture. It's saying, God, I know I can't be perfect, but I can be perfect hearted. I want to be a real one. God, I want you to know me and I want to know you. Every filthy crack and crevice, every closed door, every locked door of trauma and pain from my past, every mistake I made nobody knows about, every time I retreat back into that addiction, God, you're about to know me because I'm going to undress fully before you, God. And I'm going to come to you and say, I don't know why I can't stop doing it, but this is who I am. And when you see the scripture, scriptures. You don't see Abraham as a perfect man. You don't see Jacob as a perfect man. You don't see David as a perfect man, but you see their interaction with God as they say, God, this is all you're going to get. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a fool, but I want to be a fool for you. God, I don't know how to be what you're calling me to be, but I'm going to move into this direction. I'm going to operate in the faith. Come on. I'm trying to stir somebody else up right now. Say relationship. The next one is recognition. The band can help me out. We're about done. Recognition. Say recognition. So this is going to help you so much. When the early Christians approach God in prayer, their prayer is actually recorded in scriptures. And Acts chapter four, verse 24 says this. This is how they began. So start in the New Testament. Hold your finger there. We'll go to the Old Testament. When the early Christians approached God in prayer in Acts chapter four, verse 24, they said, oh Lord, you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. They recognize the sovereignty of God. They recognize his power. God, the creator, was the one to whom they were bringing their petitions. So the thing I want to help you understand is when you pray, you always pray through relationship, not ritual. Listen, ah, come on, stay with me. Charismatic Christians have formulas. 
Orthodox Christians have liturgy, but true Christ followers have relationship. A liturgy with a relationship with God is a powerful and beautiful declaration. A formula with a relationship with God is a powerful guide, but a liturgy and a formula without a relationship with God is powerless dead religion. The point of powerful prayers is to be empowered by the source of all power. Recognition, say recognition. Oh, this is going to be good. Now we're in Acts chapter four. Now let, that's the new covenant. Let's go look at the old covenant. First Chronicles 29, 10 through 11. They address God as saying, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. So now we have First Chronicles 29, now we have Acts chapter 4, and what are they both doing in both covenants? Recognition. You know why you're so worried? You think that people own Northwest Indiana. You think that people own Long Island. You think that people own, come on, no, no, no. When you recognize the one who owns it all, your worry begins to shift. Come on, no human can give you a house because you can't give what you don't own. The Lord owns the land that it's on and everything thereof. The Lord determines what happens. The Lord promotes. The Lord, come on, demotes. And the Lord opens the door. The Lord, when you begin to recognize that they tried to stop you, but they can't stop what God started because the Lord is ultimately in control. See, it looked like God was not in control when Joseph was going through all of his tests. When he was in the prison, it looked like the prison guard was in control. When he was standing in front of, come on, you, at every turn of events, when, when David was in the backside of the hill, it looked like his father was in control of his destiny, but he had a heavenly father that said, even when you're in hiding, I will find you in obscurity because I am in control. I anoint, I appoint, I lift up. That's why you can gossip about me. You can talk about me. You can slander me. You can try to cancel me, but God is in control. I said, God is in control. You can't kill me before my time because my life is not something that, oh, come on, some that you can take. It's something that I already gave. Jesus wasn't killed. You understand that, right? Jesus surrendered. You can't, some of you got to start saying recognize. I'm going to recognize God's sovereign will. In Mark chapter 14, verse 36, we read Jesus' prayer. This is Jesus' prayer. He says, Abba, Father. See how he says, what does he start with? Relationship. Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. See what he says? So first, first it's relationship, and then he recognizes what is Jesus. This is Jesus' prayer. If you could hear Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, we got to hear it through Scripture. He starts by saying, Abba, Father, so you know there's a direct relationship, and then he says, all things are possible to you. He's recognizing. What if I told you what's missing from your prayers is relationship and recognition? God, I know that you, okay, want me to do it for you? Come on, I'm walking my living room right now. God, I know that you can do anything. Oh, come on, I'm gonna act like I'm a praying wife right now. This is for the praying wives. Oh God, I know my husband is so far from you. God, I know he hates when I ask him to go to church. God, I know he hates when I put the worship music on, but it's just his flesh and some demons that are getting agitated. And I know that you can do exceedingly abundantly more than I can think, ask or imagine. And I'm not gonna stop praying and I'm gonna pray till you do it, God. I know you can save them. Do you hear how that sounds? Come on, there's got to be a breakthrough and it comes through recognizing how big God really is. Would you just stand to your feet with me? Recognition. We got to recognize. This is the time where you recognize how big and how capable and how powerful God really is. 
This is the time where you say, God, the lid is off. The lid is off, God. The lid is off for my life. The lid is off for our church. You can do anything, God. Now, here's the way I do it. Now, my mom used to hear me pray when I lived with her when I was a teenager. And now my wife and kids got to hear the same thing. I love praying in the shower. Praise God. <laughs> it's a great place to pray. I love praying in the car. I love praying walking. I love praying all the time. I want you to make a commitment that you're gonna pray six times a day for 10 minutes each time and one hour a day, six days a week. How many of you are willing to make that commitment across every campus right now? Six times a day, 10 minutes every time, one hour a day, six times a week. And then you get here and we'll just do our thing together. Are you with me? Listen, smokers understand, I just gotta take a 10 minute break, why? Because as soon as they take that first drag, they, something happens to them. What if I told you it's time to take a supernatural smoke break six times a day where we say, I'm gonna exchange breath with you, God. You breathe the breath of life. I'm gonna breathe out all my prayers. I'm gonna speak everything and then you breathe your breath of life in me, God. You fill me up, God. How many of you, because I don't think that, some of you are stressing out, well, I don't pray for an hour a day. You can pray 10 minutes six times a day day and you could pray an hour a day with me anybody willing to do that all right come on that's it that's it but it, but I think the thing I want to help you with if you suffer with anxiety fear worry it's just you have to learn how to fix your focus all that is is a matter of what you are focusing on whatever you're focusing on is producing that and so the thing that you do when you begin to recognize is the same thing that happened in 1 Chronicles 29 and the same things that happened in Acts chapter 4 and the same thing that happened in Mark chapter 14. It's just simply fixing your focus. Jesus was feeling anxiety. Did you know that? You think, that, see, the Bible says he was tested and tempted in every way. That means when you feel anxiety, Jesus knows exactly what it feels like. When the tunnel vision starts, when the heart palpitations and the racing happens, when that, Jesus felt anxiety. And you know what Jesus did? He cried out to his father. And then the second thing he did is he said, all things are possible. He started shifting his focus. And watch, when the crown of thorns was pressed into his head and the blood began to run down, a full circle around his brain, that means every part of your brain can experience healing and wholeness and peace, a hedge of protection his crown of thorns is your crown of peace. I said his crown of thorns, every thought, every worry, every fear, as those, oh, come on, as the crown was pressed into his head and the blood began to come out, it was 360 degrees. What that meant is complete and total restoration and healing of your mind. You see how that happens? But you've got to recognize how big he is. I'm going to do this because today is a guided Watch, just why this is how I do it. I did it at the beginning of the sermon, now I'm gonna do it again. But it's, this is how I start. Every day, I do this multiple times a day. I'm just letting you into my personal, this is for years and years, I say this, a series of phrases like this, because I'm trying to get my human vision and my human thoughts, and I'm trying to elevate them up to a heavenly perspective. So that's what I'm doing. And the way that I do that is I say like this. I say, Heavenly Father, you are high and exalted above every name that is a name. God, you are worthy. You are matchless, God. You are undefeated, God. You've never lost a battle, God. God, every name that is a name, you're above those names. You're higher than cancer. You're higher, oh, come on. And I just begin to see how the atmosphere starts to shift. Oh, God, you rule and reign over Long Island. Everything therein. God, you rule and reign over Portage and Hobart and God, you are high and exalted above every principality, every power, every ruler in high places. You're above them, God. You're greater than them. You're all powerful. You're all knowing. You have all wisdom. See, did you hear that? I'm not kidding. I do that every single day. So now watch. Imagine you come to me 
And you, now I've been doing that four or five times every day. Now imagine you come to me and you say, I'm so worried. I just got a diagnosis. I'm going to die of cancer. What do you think is going to be what comes out of me in response? I don't even have an option because it's who I am. So this is my major point of this sermon. I'm going to read it the way the Lord gave it to me. This is my major point in the sermon. Prayer is an identity that you're molded into, not a script that you repeat. Prayer is an identity that you are molded into, not a script that you repeat. And I feel like the Lord is going to cause some of you to begin to move in the area of great faith, but you have to mold your entire being through prayer into being that kind of person. Who wants to make that commitment? The last one is this. So it's relationship, recognition, and the last one is rejoice. But Pastor Mike, I don't have any reason to rejoice. Pastor Mike, didn't you just hear? My husband left me. We're destitute. We have no money. Rejoice in all things, in every circumstance. Rejoice. Why? Because rejoice is an activation of faith, and rejoicing is an affirmation of God's sovereignty. I'm going to say it again for the theologians. Rejoicing is an affirmation of God's sovereignty. It says, guess what? To live is Christ, and to die is gain. I still got a reason to rejoice. Oh, come on. If I die today, I exit this worship service and I go into the eternal one. I can't lose because you want it all. Turn on my mic a little bit. I heard this last story. Someone said my grandfather worked as a carpenter. On a particular day he was building some crates for the, cl for the clothes that his church was sending to an orphanage in China. On the way home he reached into his shirt pocket to find his glasses but they were gone. When he mentally replayed his earlier actions, he realized that what had happened, the glasses had actually slipped out, had slipped out of his pocket unnoticed and fallen into the crates, which were nailed shut. His brand new glasses were now headed to China. There's nothing that can be done. This was during the Great Depression, and uh, it was at its height. Grandpa had six children, and he had spent $20 for those glasses that very morning. He was upset by the thought of having to buy a new pair. It's not fair. How many of you have said that? It's not fair, God. He told God as he's driving in frustration, I've been so faithful in giving financially, my time, my money, my work, and now this, now my glasses in a crate to China, it's not fair. <sighs> Come on, how many of us? I lost my job, it's not fair. They walked out on me, it's not fair. Months later, the director of the orphanage was on a furlough in the United States. He wanted to visit all the churches that supported him in China, so he came to speak one Sunday at my grandfather's small church in Chicago. The missionary began by thanking the people for their faithfulness in supporting the orphanage. But most of all, he said, I must thank you for the glasses that you sent last year. You see, the communist had just swept through the orphanage, destroying everything, including my glasses, and I was desperate. Even if I had money, there was simply no way of replacing those glasses under communist China. Along with not being able to see well, I also started to experience extreme headaches, so much so that my coworkers and I were praying about it day and night. Then your crate arrived. When my staff removed the covers, they found a pair of glasses lying on top. The missionary paused long enough to let the word sink in, then still gripped with the wonder of it all, he continued, folks, when I tried on the glasses, it was as though a perfect prescription was made just custom for me, and I want to thank God for being a part of that. All the people listened. They were happy for these miraculous glasses, but the missionary surely must have confused their church with another, uh, with another, they thought, because there were no glasses on their list of items to be sent overseas. But sitting quietly in the back, with tears streaming down his face, an ordinary carpenter realized the master carpenter had used him in an extraordinary way. Rejoice, rejoice.
It may not have worked out how you wanted it, but the master carpenter is working it all out. Rejoice. They may have abandoned you, but they just made room for some new friends to your destiny. They may have walked out, but they just vacated a space for someone else to replace. You might not have had what you wanted, but baby, you had what you needed. I said rejoice. Rejoice that it worked out the way you wanted and rejoice when it didn't work out the way you wanted. Rejoice because it proves that God is in control. I wonder if everybody across campuses could take 10 seconds and say, I'm going to start 2023 rejoicing, saying, God, you're in control. You don't make any mistakes. You don't mess it up. Oh, come on, rejoice. Rejoice. Come on, everybody jump to your feet and rejoice. Just take 15 seconds. Come on, rejoice. 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 Yes. So here's what we're going to do across every location. If I say the phrase, it's not about whether you know Jesus, but does Jesus know you? If you are standing before God right now and you say there are serious doubts about whether or not he would know me, I want you across every location to just come up front real quick. Just come out of your seats and come up front. If you're like, I'm concerned, Pastor Mike, I felt convicted. I think that I know Jesus, but I'm not convinced Jesus knows me. Just come now across every location. Just don't waste any time. Come on, there's somebody coming. There's more, there's more, come on. Praise God. Just come around here to the front. Praise God. Come on. They're coming across every campus right now. Yes. You can face me. You guys can face me. We're going to pray together. Come on. There's a few more coming. I honor you. I honor you. I honor you. This was a big decision with you coming. Come on. Make some room. Make some room. If you're just concerned, I don't know if God would know me. I, I have been playing games, but I want to get it right. Wow. Some of you love God. You love the Lord, don't you? You have a deep and profound love for the Lord. I feel it. When you came up out of your seat, that was an activation saying, God, I want more. Today, you're about to receive more. It's coming. Who else? Is there anybody else? Wow, what a beautiful. Praise God. I don't, listen, if you're a leader at V1 Church and you feel like you're supposed to come, but you're ashamed, I do not want you to be ashamed. I'm talking leaders, you can come. This is why I'm preaching this word. It's okay to come. Leaders, production and tech at every campus, come. Just abandon your post, it's okay. Who cares about the keyboard? Just come. Man, look at this, look at this. A grown man, he's just pouring his heart out before the Lord. Come on guys, this is not gonna make sense if you're trapped in religion. This is not going to make sense to you if you're like, man, why did service go long? Well, why did you spend 14 hours on your phone looking at the most perverted stuff imaginable? You can do a two and a half hour service. Come on, you need this. I'm just starting our year off right. Wow, this is holy. Come on, this now the decisions that are happening right now up front across all of our campuses and at the revival homes. If there's somebody at a revival home and it just you can get down on your knees at the revival home and everybody surround them and pray for them right now. But see, I want to tell you for those of you who didn't come up, which is fine because you're good. I want you to look at these people and I want you to know what's happening. I did not draw them with a sermon. No sermon can do that. But the Holy Spirit was working on them this entire service and the Holy Spirit was breaking things off of them and molding their heart and making their heart go from a, a heart of stone to a moldable heart, a soft heart. And that's what's happening right now. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to them and they just surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Wow, look at these young men just on their knees here at the altar. This is a holy moment. All right, relationship with God is easy because of what Jesus did. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and that's the beginning of this journey. And then we're gonna spend some time celebrating. So church, can you just extend your hands towards everybody who's up front right now and we're gonna pray for them. These are people's daughters. These are mothers. These are fathers. These are husbands. These are wives.
Wow. Come on, the anointing's falling right now. People are receiving a touch from the Lord right now. Some of you haven't felt loved or worthy of love in a long time, but the Lord is just embracing you right now through the Holy Spirit. Some of you are feeling the love and the affirmation of the Father for the very first time, and you've never felt his embrace like this, but the Lord right now is just affirming to you, I am so well pleased with you. Yeah, it's okay to cry. Come on, the Lord's moving. All together, everybody up front, everybody watching, we're gonna say this together. Just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love that you died for me. And now I ask that you wash me, wash me with your blood. Forgive me of my sins. I thank you for breaking every chain of iniquity, every pattern God, I ask that you go in to every locked door. I give it all to you now. Trauma, pain, my past, I give it all to you. Jesus, you are Abba, Father. I have a Father. Come on, just somebody needs to say that I have a Father. I am loved by my heavenly Father. I am loved by my Father. I am approved by my Father. Now I want you to shout and I want you to let hell hear you when you say it. Say the blood of Jesus conquers all. Say it a few more times. The blood of Jesus conquers all. The blood of Jesus conquers all. Now let's just take 20 seconds and rejoice. Hallelujah. Holy.